Good morning. Now that we have all the electronic stuff together. All right. Uh, our text today is John 16, 1 through 15. Uh, before I start, I just want to say thank you for your prayers uh, and concerns. I got some texts. I got some, everybody who's seen me today was like, hey, we were worried about you. I'm okay now. Yeah. <laughs> so just thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. it. It means a lot. And it's cool to know that people miss me. You know, kind of made a brother feel good. And I appreciate that. Uh, but so can we stand for the um, God's word? And again, it's John 16 verses 1 through 15. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will, will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you, told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he comes, and he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged." I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit comes of truth, I mean, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let the church say, Amen. let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you just saying thank you. Thank you for being an awesome God. Thank you for loving us like only you can do. Uh, I thank you for this opportunity, and I humbly stand before you, giving this opportunity to you. I relinquish it and I ask that you step in and your word be brought forth for your people so that you can be glorified and they can be edified. I ask that you just take over, move me out of the way so that your people can be fed. And this I pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. And you can have a seat now. All right. So we find ourselves reading about this last conversation, or one of the last conversations that Jesus is having with his disciples. Um, 
this is the last thing he, you know, one of the last things he does before he allows himself to be put on the cross. And he wants to prepare his disciples so they can know what to expect when, after he departs. Um, Jesus teaches more about the Holy Spirit during this conversation. Uh, he explains uh, three things that the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will convict, the Holy Spirit will guide, and the Holy Spirit will glorify. He will convict, guide, and glorify. Uh, if we look at verses one through four, you see Jesus, it says, Jesus let his disciples know that um, there are people who want to do harm, and they call it, they're doing it in the name of God. But they don't know God. Um, now he's hinted to something similar to this several times throughout the Bible uh, or the New Testament. Um, at least three. Uh, if you look at Luke 6 and 22 in the Beatitudes, he says this. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spawn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Then you look at Matthew 10 and 22. While in Galilee, Jesus is warning his disciples, he says this, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then again in Matthew 24 and nine, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, although I have read these passages a lot before, uh, I've always taken my namesake, meaning this is happening because you're associated with Jesus. It's happening, they will hate you because of his name, because who you are in him. Um, it's that association. It's because you follow Jesus that these things will happen. But when you look at verses one through three, it kind of, I'm not going to say it changes the meaning. It just adds to it. It's a both and, not an either or, but a both and. Um, I'm not saying that, like I said, it, it's for my namesake doesn't mean it's happening because it's a part of Christ. I'm saying that 16 uh, verses one through three also says these things will be done to you by people who are claiming to be like you. So that namesake thing kind of just took on a different shadow, so to speak, or a different shape. Um, it's, not, it's not just because it will happen to you because of, or what, why it will happen, but it's who's doing it to you is that is what it's been focused on here. It's doing it because they claim that they love God, that they know God and they're doing it to please God when in fact they don't even know God. Um, verses, let's go ahead and read this verses one through three. It says, uh, I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when whoever kills you, you would think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. So all of this is, they're saying, he's saying that all of these things will be done in the name of God. And we've seen this before. As a matter of fact, 
In 2015, during the uh, prayer breakfast, the President Obama said this, and I quote, and least get on our high horse and think this is unique to some other place. Remember that during the Crusades and Inquisitions, people committed terrible deeds in the name of Christ. As a matter of fact, in our own home, in our own home country, slavery and Jim Crow all too often was justified in the name of Christ. And I end quote there, uh, for my namesake. So it's, they're doing it for Christ's namesake, but they don't even know Christ. And that's what he's warning them about. Uh, uh, <laughs> so they didn't know him. And Jesus warns his disciples um, that when the hour comes, I need you to remember that I told you this. Uh, my mother had this saying. It was, I tell you stuff not to scare you, but so you can smell it coming around the corner. It was a warning. Uh, she warned me about the gangs before they ever approached me. So when they did, I was prepared. Uh, that's what he's doing here. He can't, he's not saying that he's gonna stop anything. But what he is telling you is that look out for it and know it's coming and be prepared. Um, God wants us to take heed. And here's the thing about God and taking heed. If God says it, you can pretty much count it as done. And it's a, a joy in that, that knowing that whatever he says, because I don't know if I would want a God who says something and it don't happen. I, I'm not sure I could follow a God like that. Um, probably why my kids have a hard time following me sometimes because <laughs> I ain't perfect. So, um, but God's word is bond. Uh, let's look at verse two again. It says, they will put you out of the synagogue. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you, you will think he is offering service to God. Now, based on historical commentary, look at what's happened. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was uh, flayed, flayed alive. James the Great, which is John's brother, he was stabbed to death. James the Lesser was stoned to death. Jude was clubbed to death. Matthew was burned alive. Peter was crucified. And we're almost sure upside down at that. Uh, and Thomas was, was uh, speared to death. And Simon was sawed in half. So if he says it's going to happen, you can pretty much count it. It's done. Uh, so he warned them. Uh, Jesus goes on to say that um, he did not do, didn't tell them these things from the beginning because they weren't in danger in the beginning. He didn't need to tell them in the beginning because he was with them. Because he was with them, all the anger, all the hatred was geared towards him. So they were safe. Um, he took all the hate. He took all the violence that came. But now that he's gone, all of that hate and all of that, that, that violence will be pushed towards them. And he's trying to tell them to be prepared. Um, the looming violence and the death, again, is all pointed towards them. Uh, let's move on to verses 5 and 6. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. 
I told you that I am leaving because your heart is full of sorrow. You didn't think to ask where I was going. Jesus isn't fussing here. He's actually empathizing with them. He gets it. Uh, and this was refreshing. It, it, it made me feel good as I reflected on my own life and my own sorrow to know that during that time of need, Jesus got it and he understood me. And it was a time when, that the, when what came to mind at this moment was a time when it, I hurt so bad and so deeply, I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't explain it to anybody. I couldn't even pray about it. It's that, that cry that we've had as a little kid where you open your mouth to say something, but nothing comes out and you're just, and that's it. It was that kind of pain. And reading this, I realized in the midst of that pain, he got me. The God who created me understood and empathized with my pain. Even though some of the pain that I felt was because of me. But he still got it. So that was just so encouraging. And so he's telling his disciples in that moment that I get it. I know why you're sorrow. I know I'm going to leave you and it's going to hurt. And then on top of that, bad things are going to happen. Uh, they're going to kick you out of your place of worship. But not just locally. They're going to kick you out everywhere. And the disciples understood that. He wasn't just talking about the right there in Galilee. He talking about everywhere. Um, they understood that they were going to be ostracized socially, economically, and then tested spiritually. Um, you will be in danger is what he was telling them. And you will eventually be killed. And then on top of all of that, yeah, I'm leaving. Um, so I really found a lot of comfort understanding that. Um, like I said, not because the, the disciples had sorrow, but it was just because no matter what, no matter how bad it is, God gets it. And that is comfort. Uh, my Lord and Savior understands why. And I remember that when that pain is deep. Um, so, in my opinion, for real, we can stop right there because that comfort is phenomenal. Just knowing that is a mic drop. That's enough. God knows. God loves me. And God is there for me. Amen. And we can, I'm done. Yeah. We can stop there. Yeah. But God didn't, Jesus didn't stop right there, so I'm not going to either. But I'm just saying we could, for the record. Um, so this leads us to verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is telling them that his 100% human body has some limits. He can't physically be everywhere with everyone simultaneously as he can when he is 100% spirit and that's it. Because like we talked about the last time I, I, we, I preached, the Holy Spirit is the very essence of Christ. 
It is one and the same. So it's the same. So him leaving is him staying. It's him leaving himself, the Holy Spirit, for you. Uh, because his flesh can't be everywhere. Jesus did not leave the world. If he didn't leave the world, you couldn't have a New Testament. If his body was still here. Because it's that Holy Spirit that entered the people who wrote. And he gave, they gave, he, the Holy Spirit gave those people the word that they so elegantly put out for us to express the gospel. Um, Jesus tells them, it's to your advantage if I go. Um, while I was here, you learned and you witnessed what it is that I can do. But if I go, you will experience me. And that's a total different thing to experience Christ. Um, if, you, if I go, I will abide in you and you will abide in me. If he goes, it is through his stripes that you're healed. If he goes, it's through his death that you are forgiven. If he goes, it's through his resurrection of his body that salvation is yours. If he goes, again, there's a New Testament. And also, he will send the Holy Spirit, he says. But if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit. Jesus went on to say the helper will do three things. And I talked about this earlier. He will convict the world. He will guide you to the truth and he will glorify me. So that's the job of the Holy Spirit while he's here. Uh, verse 8 through 11 says this, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the rule of this world is judged. So you all need to bear with me right now as I try to unpack this. It's a little special. So the Holy Spirit will convict the whole world. And it will show the truth. And it will glorify Christ. Life and death and resurrection. Um, when he comes, he's going to convict the world of concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin is the truth about man. Righteousness is the truth about God. And judgment is is the inevitable combination of these two truths. The Holy Spirit will convict. And, and I, this word convict, I don't want you to confuse it with the word accused. To accuse is to charge someone of an offense or a crime. That's saying that I think you do it. It's something lawyers do. Or a prosecutor or a DA. They accuse or charge an alleged crime of an offense. But to convict, a DA can't convict. A DA can get a conviction. But only a judge actually convicts. So here's what happens. The Holy Spirit brings the world to an inescapable sense of guilt that is founded in the unbelief of God so that they realize that their shame and their helplessness before God. I'll say that again. He brings the world to an inescapable sense of guilt 
So he makes you, the Holy Spirit makes you feel guilty about the things that you have done. Really, it's about the things you don't believe. And we're going to get to that in just a second. And so you realize that you are shamed and you're helpless before God. You can't do anything without him. So two things happen when the spirit judges the world. And we are all the world at that moment. Two things happen. First, or one of two things will happen, shall I say. Either their heart will be hardened and it is hardened towards God and the word of God. Or they're led to repentance. So one of them two things upon being convicted by the judge, which is the spirit in this case, you're either going to repent or you're going to have a hardened heart. There is nothing in between. You are either with it or you are against it. Uh, let's look at the words uh, in Romans 8. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he may be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And I bring this up because in no place did I say you have something you're going to do. You're going to be judged and your belief or your hardness of heart has nothing to do with you. Roman 8 clearly states that. Um, but I got a whole section missing. Oh, no, I don't. There it is. I'm okay. <laughs> um, Let's continue reading. So in 12, it says, I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. When the Holy Spirit comes of truth, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whoever hears, his, hears he will speak, and he will declare you the things that are to come. Uh, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all the Father is mine. Therefore, said that, mm, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is saying that his teaching isn't complete. And the Holy Spirit is going to finish it. So remember I told you that if he doesn't leave, we would have never gotten the Holy Spirit. I mean, never gotten the New Testament. This is what is being brought forth. That truth that they're talking about is the New Testament. It is the, the just testament as a whole of Jesus Christ. Um, The only way the truth of God comes to us is through the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that. There is no other way. It is not because you're really smart. A lot of you are, though. It's a bunch of y'all in here that's ridiculously way smarter than me. And you just get stuff I don't. But even in your most intelligent and most uh, uh, genius 
mind. You will never be able to understand and grasp the things of God without the Holy Spirit. It is only through the Holy Spirit that you can get these things. Uh, 1 Corinthians second, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verses 12 and 13 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words. In words and not, and I'm going to have to get the Bible and finish that up. Yeah, because I didn't print it for some reason. Ah, there it is over there. And Jesus taught by human wisdom. Yeah, it's not. I don't, I'm sorry. Anyway, so we're going to move on. So only a righteous can judge. <laughs> I just figured it out. My pages are backwards, so we're going to go back a little bit. Sorry. Because uh, we were talking about judgment and we went on a little quick and I thought it was a little quick too. But only a righteous judge can actually judge. Uh, only a righteous judge can declare the world to be guilty of sin. Um, let's talk about this word sin. In this scripture, it uses the singular, sin and not sins, and it kind of makes a difference. The singular is not a behavior. Say it again. The singular, sin with no S, is not a behavior. The sin with no S here is the unbelief of God. It is not believing in God, and that is the root of everything that is sinful. It is not believing in God. It is not trusting in God. Look at what verse 9 says. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. You don't believe God exists at all or you don't believe his word is true. Either one of those is what the sin is. Hebrews 3 verses 7 through 12 says this. Therefore... As the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I provoked, provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. An unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, the results of your unbelief is the behavior. Sins with an S. Sins with an S is a behavior. Um, and it results and it comes from the unbelief in God. The reason we sin, the reason we do the things that we do is because we don't believe God. Even the little things. 
I'm hungry. I don't have a job. And I don't know where this next meal is coming. But in, rather than trusting in the Lord, because he says he'll be my provider, I go and steal. That's a sin that is of God. But where did it come from? I didn't trust God. All sin can be traced to that, which is why it's, it's sin singular. And this is what the Holy Spirit will judge. Um, the Holy Spirit will also glorify Jesus. We did this really out of order, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> so, after we talked about this judge, we talked about just the truth that the Holy Spirit is bringing. That's when I talked about uh, verses 12, and we went to 2 Corinthians, because he's going to bring a truth, and that truth is the word of God. The truth is the act is just Jesus himself and all that he has done and all that he will do and how we find ourselves in him. And without him, we can do nothing and are nothing. Um, so the Holy Spirit does one other thing. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. And it is through the teaching of the truth of Christ to us, teaching us that Christ came down from heaven, teaching us that he lived a perfect life and was without sin teaching us that he was wrongly and falsely accused, teaching us that he allowed himself to be tortured and killed so that we may live. And I, I want to point out that they did not do it. He allowed it to happen. He volunteered because he loves us. So it wasn't that Jesus was walking down the street and four or five cops came around and he was taken by surprise. No. He walked up. It's me. I did this. From day one, it has always been the plan. I am going to get caught. I am going to live a perfect life. I'm going to be, I'm going to be made to suffer. I am going to be accused. I'm just all of that. And at the end, I'm going to die so that you can be saved. He became a living sacrifice and died, teaching us that Jesus could not be held by the grave, teaching us that he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, all so that we can be forgiven of our sin and be reconciled back to him, teaching us that one day he will return, teaching us that on his return, all those who believe on him will have everlasting life with Jesus and the Father. Jesus is glorified, and that is the job of the Holy Spirit. All that is the Father's was given to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit gives it to us. Jesus is glorified through the redemption of his people. Jesus is glorified through the life, our life being saved. So this is where I'm going to leave you. Knowing that there is a hope 
in Christ, knowing that the Holy Spirit lives in you, is there for you, and had not Jesus died, we would have never had it. We'd have been left to our own accord to be miserable and dead. But because Jesus did what Jesus did, because he went away, we get to live. He died so that we could live. It's quite interesting to really think about how much control you do not have. We like to believe it's because I believe in Jesus. No. It's because Jesus said, I can believe in Jesus, that I'm saved. At the end of the day, it's because he gave it to me. He pricked my heart. I chose nothing. Because if I had to be honest with myself, if I was doing the choosing, I might not choose this. Because I'm not that smart. If I had to be honest. I wouldn't choose Jesus because I'm selfish. Because when Jesus chooses you, there's a part of you that no longer is selfish. There's a transformation. And so now you will die like he died and you will raise like he was raised. And you will live. So let the church say amen. Amen. And amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come today just saying thank you. I, I pray that uh, your word came forth and that hearts were touched. And I pray that lives will be transformed and, brought, and relationships will be brought closer to you so that you can get glory and so that they can be reconciled to you. And this we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.